Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. All right. Here we go. Happy birthday for yesterday, Mari. Thanks, man. Yeah. Big 3-0. Yes. The Dirty 30. <laughs> I, I was having a thought about why they call it the Dirty 30. Yeah, why is that? I think because most people in their 30s have kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're beautiful blessings, but they can sometimes be dirty, mucky, messy so. blessings. They're like yeah. glitter, like beautiful, but then messy. That's true. It's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. So the dirty thirties. Any tips for the for the third decade of life? Third, fourth decade of life, kind of, isn't it? Just stay in shape, man. That's stay in shape. shape. That's my tip. All right, all right. Because right. I was because four years ago because you saw me jumping that fence the other <laughs> yes. day, and you're like, Muzz really needs to work on that." <laughs> well, because well, like four years ago, I guess because we we're in hospital so much, I wasn't really exercising. I had like lots of joint pain, and mm. and now I've like in shape more I have less pain mm. uh, yeah it's just because like, the more in shape you stay the, mm. you, you reverse the biological clock so to speak alright so, so like three exercises that I should do to reverse the biological uh, start clock just walking start walking, walking. yeah okay. start walking ah uh, great one skipping man skipping I actually I'm gonna like embarrass you for a second I saw like this was a while ago now I like parked in the back car park one morning <laughs> And you were wearing a pink shirt. <laughs> it's orange, were... orange. For the mm. orange. <laughs> it's pink. It's bright pink. And you were skipping. Yeah. And I'm like, how is he doing that and still looks manly? <laughs> I'm like, that is a paradox that I want to get in on. Yeah, yeah skipping, man. Ten minutes of skipping is Ten minutes really, of skip. like, it burns all these calories. Man. And it is one of those that, like, every time I skip, I'm like, why is this so hard? It is really hard. Like, because it's something that you think of little girls doing, mm. which here's my, like, you know, sexism showing, I guess. You're like, nah. But yeah. then you do it and you're like, oh, man. Yeah. These and little girls be must be anyway. fit. <laughs> yeah. All right. So walking, skipping. And then even just some burpees. Oh, man. Why are you picking? Okay, walking is fine. Well, yeah. Skipping well, because they're things like well, the exercise you don't need to go anywhere for. You can oh, skip in like yeah. anywhere. <laughs> I like exercise. You can just do. All right, I've got half an hour. Here's my little portion of my backyard. Mm. Let's go, or my downstairs garage. All right. So burpees. You go like down into a full push up. Yeah. Jump up and arms up in the air. Yeah, yeah. You do like. How many burpees am I needing to do in a set to reverse my biological clock? Probably at least a hundred. Start with 50. That's not a set. Or like ten. So you do ten. Okay, so like five sets of ten or ten sets of ten. Yeah, yeah. I'd start with that. All right, and then I need to skip for 10 minutes. Yeah, skip for 10 minutes. I reckon that All right. I'll be coming so, for you yeah. if, I, if I don't reverse age. <laughs> All right, so we have been looking at this, like, just so, such, such a core, like, famous mm. passage mm. in Hebrews on Sunday, um, which, yeah, did you want to read oh, it out for us yes. again for those Probably. of us who may have missed Sunday or have forgotten it? It's yeah. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Mm. It's pretty good. There's a lot mm. in it. I, well, yeah, I want, I want to start off by asking you mm. a question. So I, um, I did the Maya Briggs test 
and every single time the one letter that is definitive is E, which is extroversion. Like I'm I'm off the charts extrovert, which like I feel like everyone knows what that means, Aww. but for anyone who may not know, essentially like extroversion is you get your energy from being around people. After you've been at a party, after you've been in a gathering, you feel energized. Whereas introverts, which is the other mm. side of side of the coin, feel drained from being around people. They get their energy, they recharge by being alone. Are you, Mitch, an extrovert or an introvert? I sit on the border. Ooh, all right. I'm a weird person. Yeah, right. Where there's times where I just can't stand people. I'm like, God, oh, get away from me. Sure. And other times I need people. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Sit That's both cool. Camps. That's me for thinking, feeling. But I love, this is actually going to be mm. really interesting then, because I feel mm. like you're the perfect person to like, okay. get insight <laughs> about this. Because I want to know, I, I'm, I'm always thinking, is our church, and I think even church culture mm. in general, maybe too much swayed towards one type of people. So people who are more extroverted than introverted, people who are more thinkers than feelers, or people who are more feelers than thinkers, or whatever it is. What are your thoughts? Do, are we doing enough for the introverts in our community? Ah, that's a great question. I think any social gathering can be difficult for introverts. Mm. But how we structure church is you can be introverted and not participate and like not participate it's very easy just to walk in mm -hmm. sit down by yourself and leave yeah you're not forced to socialize yeah sure yeah, introversion and extroversion it's really a western thing oh okay uh, well i feel like it's that because like say hebrews the book of hebrews is written to jewish christians and jewish culture is what we call collective you yeah. live in even okay. your homes you live with all your relatives you have grandpa grandma mm. mom dad Mm. Maybe uncles, brothers, sisters, cousins, all living under the one roof. So mm. this idea of sort of needing alone time mm. is a bit foreign. So even... Yeah. Yuval Noah Harari talks about that in Sapiens. He talks about how we have become more and more isolated mm. and more and more like independent. Mm. And he actually talks about the architecture of the home as mm. like a core idea of that. So like people used to share everything. everything yeah. Like they were in like the same space together all the time. Mm. Whereas now you're like, you know, you have a child and you're like, well, let's make up their bedroom. And then they get to a certain age. It's like, oh, let's decorate it to like kind of show yeah. that you're a unique individual and independent and you control your own environment mm. and have full autonomy. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So you think that, yeah, well, what are you saying with that? So you're saying there oh. were no introverts in well, sort of first century? Well, if they were, you probably didn't know but i think what i'm trying to say is that church as it currently is structured is you can very easily live as a lone wolf christian mm. even a church of the size of Durham, what are we about 100 something people coming sure. along yeah maybe more you can disappear in a crowd mm. like you could literally not read your bible not pray be going through all sorts of terrible spiritual calamities mm. yeah rock up the church on a sunday talk to no one and go mm. and that's not how community is meant to be mm. so when the author of hebrews was writing this that's what i love here is he said let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds mm. i.e like you're meant to be talking together you're meant to sure. be encouraging each other to be actively involved in your faith not giving up meeting together but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching mm. there's something very action orientated Mm. about this mm. francis chan once he's a pastor and he's basic series he said if i tell my daughter to go clean her room and she goes into her room and says dad i heard what you said and now i'm running a study 
about the words you said. We are studying it to the original language. But I actually cleaned the room. He's like, you haven't actually done the task. You've got a PhD in cleaning the room. You've never picked up a broom. Yeah. And that's kind of how Western Christianity can be like, is that Mm. instead of actually just doing church what we're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. is we can kind of live in this sort of weird... I say it's weird because that's not how church is meant to be. We're meant to be sharing life together, like in the Mm. book of Acts and... I mentioned it on Sunday, we can't go back to that first century culture. But you look at them, mm. they're meeting together in homes, they're listening to the apostles teaching, they're breaking bread, they're sharing what they have, looking after the poor. Mm. That's what the idea of church is, is that you're a community and you live together as a community and you go out and you spread the gospel mm. together. We yeah. Now look, I'm not saying it's anyone's fault, we all live in our homes sure. by ourselves, that's how our society is, but church, it's not probably design the way how we run it, where you can get mm. lost in a crowd, not be involved. Mm. And I think that's the importance of small groups. Perhaps that was an oversight of mine. I didn't plug small groups enough, but... It's all right. We can do it now. We can do it now. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. Like, that's why you... So you take... Yeah. You go to church, even 100, 200 people, you get lost in a crowd, but a small group where there's maybe five people, you can encourage each other. Mm. You can be honest about where you struggle and you can be praying for each other. Mm. That's very important. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Okay, I like so that. So you can disagree with this. <laughs> Would you say that maybe the structure of a small group mm. is more similar to what a church looked like for, you know, mm. the, the, the people in Acts 2 that we read about? Yeah, I'd say so. And there's been a bit of a push when COVID hit particularly amongst the Baptist church, I don't know about other denominations, they were calling it a new church paradigm. And there were mm. some churches that completely stripped away everything and just went to house church model. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how they're going now, but because people recognise that there was something about being in a smaller group which can help encourage one mm. another. Mm. Now, of course, there's strengths and weaknesses of that. The biggest weakness is if you don't have an actual leader that knows the Bible, you're just <laughs> a bunch of... Sheep kind of just wandering around, yeah. Uh, yeah. A pool, a pooling of ignorance, mm. so to speak. So, I say I'm not saying we should just scrap big church. You need mm. both. Mm. So we have our big gatherings on Sundays. There you can do corporate singing, get teaching, corporate mm. prayer, corporate partake, participation in communion and offering and all that, and then have your smaller group to really have your. Well, the challenge I had: you need your Paul. You get Timothy and your Barnabas. Mm. And that's where your small group can connect in that way. So that mm. can, that's where you can start to have those people mm. in your life mm. and to be more intentional in prayer and mm. scripture and mm. encouraging one another, like what the words here say, you know, spurring each other on to love and good deeds. Well, I'm glad that you brought up that idea because I mm. want to talk about that a Paul, a Timothy, and a mm. Barnabas, or Timothy, Paul, yeah, and a Barnabas, yeah. getting it in the chronological mm. order. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think that we're um, an outlier as a church. No. That a lot of our small groups are um, demographic-based, mm. right? So you have a young adults small group. You have a you know, group of women you know, who are maybe, you know, let's say, 40-plus who are meeting together. Uh, you have you know, all these different demographics which are kind of living in a similar part of life. Um, how do we find a Timothy and a Paul mm. if in our small groups yeah. we're kind of just meeting with people who are all Barnabases? Mm. That's a great question, actually. 
Is that maybe the value of church on a Sunday? Yes. Well, this one, I was reading an article about some churches in America that scrapped their other services and just went to one service. Mm. And it was saying the advantage of a multi-generational church Mm. is that's where you can actually rub shoulders with, say, your your Pauls. Mm. You have an opportunity to find a Timothy. Yeah, totally. Or Barnabas. Mm. So Mm. you can see if done well... Like the big gathering on a Sunday and the small groups that have lots yeah. of value for a holistic spiritual yeah. journey together. I've said this to you before, mm. but I was telling my little bro who he's what, twenty seven, um, not a Christian, so doesn't have a church community, um, about I'm almost certain I was talking about Richard Harris. Just like telling him how much I love him, telling him what a great guy he is, telling him about how he like worked in Silicon Valley, blah 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 blah. And, like, Brendan just stopped me in the middle of the conversation. He's like, you know, I don't have any friends who aren't my own age. He's like, that's something that's really unique about, like, being a part of a church. Yeah. Like, you are, like, actual friends. Like, actual friends yeah. with people who are just, like, in a complete different mm. life stage to you. That's a great insight. I was like, huh. Yeah. It is. I reckon there's great value there. Yeah. Because I think, like, uh, uh, like I think about the life stage that I'm at now as, like, a new father. Mm. I think that there's great value in having, you know, fellow Barnabas, so mm-hmm. to speak, who are like, oh, yeah, like, blah, 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 and can connect with this moment that mm. you're in right now. But I think there's great value in having, you know, connections and friendships and relationships with, like, a dad who has, like, teenage kids and can really look back retrospectively at that season and mm. maybe give some advice outside of that peer mentality. Mm. For instance, that's just one example yeah. of how that can have value. Hmm. Yeah. Churches are unique. And I think that's one of the things that I always liked about, say, just a single service where everyone is there, is you do get to rub shoulders with a whole bunch of different totally. demographics. Yeah. And, yeah, often found, particularly ex-mish shows, very encouraging because mm. they're, like, they're super pumped to see young people going on for the Lord because that's what they want and they love sharing their experiences and Mm. I find that a lot of people when you ask them for wisdom are more than happy to share there's and so I used to do that I'd ask old missions particularly when I was at Bible college and looking for the mission field I'd ask them for sort of tips and they were excited to see ah you know young person think about the mission field and I want to share wisdom for my prayer life or what we did to sort of survive on the field. And mm. yeah, there's that mutual yeah. growing together, learning yeah. together. And I think that like, it's important because maybe we've been like focusing a lot on a Paul. Mm. What's the value in having a Timothy? Well, like all teaching, you got to, to teach one, you have to know something. And so if you want to disciple someone, you actually got to know the scriptures. Mm. And so it say like when you're youth leading, that's what I liked about youth ministry. Kids would ask you these crazy difficult questions. Mm. You're like, oh, gosh, I don't know the answers to that. I probably yeah. need to find out. Yeah. Or I just read a lot so I was prepared for any left field question. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. when you've got Timothy, they will have questions for you that mm. keep you on your toes. Yeah. And yeah. that's part of it too. It's If you know, okay, I've seen little Johnny on Friday afternoon. Mm. And he's going to ask me something along the lines of this. Mm. I need to know this scripture we're talking about. And mm. also too, just being, and not being afraid of, I don't know the answer to that. Let me mm. go find out. And so that's what 
I like the idea of having a Timothy and just watching someone grow. That's what super you want. encouraging. Like that's our thing too. Is you, yeah, you're you're also just seeing a young man or a young woman growing mm. more like Jesus. It's, yeah. It's one of the because because I it's like that's my gifting is teaching and like all teachers one of the things you want to see is students grow. Mm. In some ways, you almost want your students to excel you sure. as a teacher. Sure. Like isn't that you're like sweet? Like you've yeah, learnt. Yeah, yeah. It's my passion is for people to get excited about the Bible, mm. and so suddenly, imagine if all hundred members of the centre got passionate about their Bible. You're like, wow, we actually would see a real transformation. People would be more invested in the word, looking for their Timothys, their mm. Pauls, their Barnabas. Mm. So as a, mm. that's yeah. one of the cool things to see. And yeah. yeah. No, I think that can be like something encouraging as well. And like maybe seeing the truth of the gospel discovered for the first time, mm. like through somebody else's eyes. I found that like so inspiring for my faith in the mm. past. Like, oh yeah. Like as, as, as amazing as you know, like the gospel yeah. is and like, as amazing as you know, the, the ability to have mm. a relationship with God is like when you are leading someone through that for the first time and they're seeing it like with fresh eyes, mm. like for me, I find that rejuvenating yeah. for my faith. You know, I'm like, yeah, like this is something to be excited about. This is something yeah. that's amazing. This is something that's even, I mean, if I'm being honest, like it almost reinstates the truth of it for mm. me as well. Like, yeah, like you're experiencing it too, yeah. right? You know, so that's really cool. That's really, really cool. So how how do we do that then? Like, how do we establish those sort of relationships? For, I guess, a, a simpler one if you're a younger person to find your Paul. Mm. Just look for the spiritually mature people in our church. Mm. And there is a lot in sure. our church. Yeah, absolutely. We're blessed with that. We are. Find someone, yeah. ask them. You know, ask them if they want to catch up or even just have the conversation mm. with them can be part of just journeying with them. Yeah. Because something you've said in the past, mm. um, just like going how maybe a Paul could find a Timothy, yeah. is um, people don't always need to know that you're discipling them. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to expand on that? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, look at the, you look at Jesus when he called the fishermen. They really didn't understand what Jesus was about. Um, we look at all, all the disciples. They had what their perceptions about the Messiah mm. was. Yeah, sure. Uh, Which were completely different to what Jesus yeah, was. More of a new David who'd come in and conquer the Romans. Yeah. Uh, even when, when Jesus rebukes Peter and calls him Satan, get behind me, Satan, mm. Peter's upset that Jesus is talking about crucifixion. He's like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Mm. And mm. Jesus like, you don't understand this. And so Jesus was sharing parables, actually reading Matthew this morning about all the parables. And it's like, you know, they'll be ever seeing, but never understanding. That's what the mm. prophet Isaiah said about the generation of Jesus. And so even just sharing those spiritual truths, mm. you're just... Lo, lo, I found with teaching, you've got to have repetition and reinforcement. Yeah. And so and you, John's gospel in particular will mention that. So when sorry, Jesus, sorry, what's important about oh, teaching? Oh, repetition. Oh, okay. And, sorry, no, sorry. I was just getting you repeated. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I wasn't enunciating clearly <laughs> no, no, enough. Sorry, clever. Uh, um, so, oh yeah, in John chapter two, when Jesus cleanses the temple, yeah. he talks about, hey, in three days, you know, I'll raise it up. You're like, what are you talking about? It took sure. forty six years to build this temple. Yeah, yeah, and John yeah. makes a comment: it wasn't until he was resurrected understood mm. yeah. so 
even then, like he was discipling them mm. to understand who he was, but he didn't get it. And mm. so I look back on my life, there's lots of stories I was taught as a kid. Mm. I didn't understand them fully at the time, but as I got older, I was like, oh, I kind of get that now. The puzzle piece clicked in. Mm. So, yeah, you can disciple someone before they even know. Before, and teaching. would you say before they're even a Christian? Yeah, I, you could argue the disciples weren't Christians. Sure. Certainly before the mm. Jewish sure. believed in Judaism, but they sure. weren't followers of Jesus mm. fully until that day mm. when Jesus ascended. Mm. And they're like, oh, yeah, we get this now. We get mm. what Jesus was all about. Mm. And now we're going to continue his mission. Yeah. And then um, uh, Clinton talks about like um, discipling and the importance of peer-peer mm. relationships as well, which is like really... He, 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 like, kind of posits that it's the most important one that mm. we can sort of overlook, but being intentional about that, that peer-peer yes. mentoring as well, which I think is, like, an important one to still value and be intentional with. Yeah. We all need encourager, right? Because you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you said we need more Barnabases. Because yeah. <laughs> you, you said have a Timothy, have a Paul, and have a Barnabas. Actually, uh-huh. have more than one Barnabas. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Because as I want to explain a bit about <clears throat> the book of Hebrews, the background, <clears throat> excuse me, there's, um, you know, they're being persecuted. Sure. Um, imagine, so let's put the context of a you know, first century Jewish family. You're living with grandparents, mum and dad, uncles, everyone's there. You might be the one follower of the Messiah, the way, as they called it then. Mm. You're a Christian, you're a follower of the way. Mm. And your family's like, what are you doing? Mm. Imagine the pressure on you to mm. revert back to Judaism. And you can see the temptation. Well, you know what? If I'm going to lose my job because of my newfound faith, I'm going to lose my family, lose my friends. I'm going to lose everything. There's a real temptation to go back to sure. the old ways. And that's what the author of Hebrews is really laying out. He's like, this is why Jesus is better. Mm. He just goes through everything. Mm. I mentioned it, you know, Jesus is better than the angels, you know. To which of the angels that have said, you are my son, today I have yeah. begotten you. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh no. So, couldn't, why angels are important, they all believed in Judaism to be the one to deliver Torah to Moses. The angels were mm. part of it. So, well, he's better, Jesus is better than angels. Mm. Jesus is better than Moses. You know, who's more important, the builder of the house or the house itself and it's like well the house is more important jesus is better than moses jesus is better than the law mm-hmm. jesus is better than the priests the priests had to keep offering sacrifice year after year day after day mm-hmm. for their sin hey, jesus done it once no more blood mm. you don't have to worry your sins are forgiven mm. and then and then in chapter 10 actually it's interesting verse 19 to verse 25 is all one giant sentence in greek yeah cool and so the context of that and we didn't really go into it. I broke my own rule about exegeting, you know, look at context. But, but <laughs> you know, we didn't have time for it. But he's really here talking about, you know, I'll go back to verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Oh, he's talking about going into the holy of holies, the yeah. place where only the high priest could go once a yeah. year. And that was by offering sacrifice. He's saying, hey, mm. we can go into that anytime we want. Yeah. By a new living way, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let's draw near to God, you know, because our hearts are cleaned and sprinkled and cleansed. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And then that's when he says, and let us consider how we may spread yeah. another one. Uh, it's like this whole, he's framing around this idea of Jesus being better 
See, this, so this is interesting because, mm. like, this this first part of this passage is really pointing to holiness, mm. right? Like, on a very, like, sacramental level. Yes. And, you know, you only have to read Leviticus to, find, like, see mm. how extensive um, and, um, yeah, just intense, I suppose. Yes. Just, just the rituals were to be cleansed, mm. to be able to meet with God. And this idea of holiness kind of reminds me of that John Wesley quote that mm. you said, which I really loved. You said there is no, or well, you quoted him yeah. saying, there is no personal holiness without social holiness. Mm. Yeah. I'd love to unpack mm. the idea of social holiness. Mm. What, is, what does holiness even mean? Because yeah. um, it's a bit of a buzzword that we use it and is. quite often don't unpack. What does, what does social holiness look like to you? What do you mm. envisage that as? So I see that as a godly community. That okay. I talked about ecclesia, yep. church, the assembly, yep. the whole the gathering. So yep. it's a people of God gathered together. And, and Wesley in particular, they called him the Methodist because they were very methodical mm. about how they did their church. Sure. And so part of it was you had your small groups, you had key leaders, and he saw that. Wesley was big on that. You can't just be a lone wolf Christian. You have to have people around you. Mm -hmm. And you had your leader who would guide you Mm -hmm. into living more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so that's what social holiness looks like. It's a group of people gathered together who have this vision about worshipping God, who want to fulfil the Great Commission and go. That was part of Wesley's small groups. As Mm -hmm. you know, they would expand. You wouldn't just be in a little holy huddle. Mm -hmm you would go out and actually see people come to Christ. There's a really cool story with Wesley. I can't remember which one it was. John or Charles. I think it was John, where he went to the mines, which was illegal. He couldn't preach outside. Mm. And when they finished work, he just got up on his soapbox and started preaching. And he Mm. says there was like tears, um, stained Mm. cheeks, because they were covered in soot. And that's like the gospel transformed him. Mm. And so for him, like for the, that was part of it was Mm. you create these communities Mm. to go forth a bit like the Salvation Army as well they saw that you know, mm. you, social holiness is about being in Christian community get another buzzword that's super important mm. but what is the purpose of us gathering together and that's one of the things I have to reflect upon with church probably don't think of church this way Sunday morning do I think okay I'm here how am I going to spur one another on towards love and good deeds how am I encouraging one another? Because I know the day is approaching. Mm. And one of the things about Hebrews is it does have that warning. Mm. It's also encouragement, also a warning. Uh, it talks about in a few chapters, it repeats it again and again, but it says, today, if you hear, this is from chapter 3, verse 7, it's the Holy Spirit it says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Mm. So he refers back to the Jews, like, or the Israelites, I should say. Hey, they were disobedient. They hardened their hearts. Mm. You, know, you don't want to have a sinful, unbelieving heart. He mm. also says about it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Mm. There's this danger. So he's saying if Jesus is greater and you reject him, mm. well, it also means greater condemnation. Mm. So as part of that, if you focus on the day that's coming, which for a lot of Christians sounds terrifying. The second coming of Jesus, the day yeah. of judgment. Yeah. We think of judgment as this really negative thing. Mm. But judgment's positive. You live 
If you live in a country where there's just injustice rampant, sure. then we can think of countries right now, Afghanistan, yeah. um, Burma. Yeah. So lack of judgment leads to lack of justice. Yes. You live in fear. You have warlords who are in charge. You have despots who are in charge. So the idea of someone coming in and wiping out evil, it's mm. a really good thing. Have I said this about Miroslav Wolf? I can't remember. I don't think in this podcast you have. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love Miroslav Wolf. I plug him a lot. You should, if you've got a chance, he's, he's a difficult reader, but if you give the time to read him, he's very good. And in his book, Giving and Receiving Forgiveness, it's a big, long title, but he talks about how before the war, so he's Croatian, and in the war with Bosnia, back in the 90s, he very much was, oh, God does not get angry. In fact, he says mm. in his book, I thought God's wrath was beneath him. Mm. And then he went through the war, and he says, if God is not angry at this, he is not worthy of worship. Mm. Now, I found that really helpful, because yeah. I think of God's wrath and judgment as like, oh, these are terrible things. And we want a God that's sort of yeah. our... C.S. Lewis says a God who's like a grandfather. Yeah. Think of grandparents. They don't really discipline. Mm. They come in and go, ah, oh, here... Have more um, Sugar. gifts. Yeah, 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 you know. Yeah. Ah, uh, you know, you. Yeah. Mum and dad said no TV, but yeah, you with grandma and granddad, you can watch more. Like, yeah. We want a God who's a, not a father, but a grandfather. That's mm. what C.S. Lewis talks about. Yeah, that's profound. He is. He's a great author. And so, this idea of the day coming, yeah, it's the day of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Day to look forward to if you're righteous. Mm. Day not look forward to if you're wicked. Mm-hmm. And so, it's that constant reminder that, well, there is a day coming when Jesus returns. Mm. If you know what that means, then you're going to want to keep on living for him. Mm. You're going to want to continue to spur one another on to, to love and good deeds. You don't, mm. They're going to want to give up meeting together because you recognise that how easy it is. So I use the analogy of Jesus, wide gate, you know, narrow gate, yeah. two ways to live. You're going to want to you know, keep on encouraging each mm. other to live for God. So I think we've spoken mm. about holiness mm. from maybe a theological yes. and spiritual mm. point. Um, but I feel this verse also touches on some very like physical manifestations yes. of holiness. Yes. Um, and I, I really like the idea that um, like the, the word holy mm. means unique and set yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like this is ideally like every time we as Christians are called to be holy. Part mm. of that, a large part of that, is that as followers of God, we are called to be unique and yes. set apart from the rest of the world that's around mm. us. And it's quite interesting. Um, I mean, even at the moment, when I watch Australian Survivor, the whole way that that show works as like Australians, they see like the biggest threat and they want to like cut them off straight away. Yeah. And it's interesting that this tall poppy syndrome like bleeds through into mm. everything, right? Because like you watch American Survivor and they try to like latch on to like the strongest person. Yeah. It's like, let's go with them. Let's let them carry us mm. through. And then we'll stab them in the back later <laughs> when the tribes merge. Yeah. But this idea of like this tall poppy syndrome of, you know, shutting down people, um, of, of not celebrating people's wins. I think that's very unique and mm. countercultural for Australians as Christians also mm. to encourage one another and to spur each other on to, to good deeds. Mm. Um, if I, I, f- I feel like if, you know, somebody who is Australian and, and secular came in to a church, 
that was just loving and and just unabashedly mm. encouraging and, mm-hmm. and spurring people on and building them up, that would be pretty countercultural mm. and, and holy and, and unique and set apart. Um, what what does in a very practical mm. sense a, a, a holy, unique, set apart community look like for you in a mm. you know sort of dural context? World. Yeah. Brilliant question. Well, I guess if I could have whatever I wanted, we'd be coming into a community where you know that people are coming to worship for the right reasons. Mm. There's actually a passion about it. It's not, I'm here to fill in a roster, or I'm here to tick off a duty, or even I'm here for me. Because mm. I hear that a lot. A lot of people tell me I, I need music and mm. that's fine you know some yeah. I, ca- I come here for the good teaching I come here, here for the for good the, worship yes. yeah instead it's about well I'm here because I want to encourage one another I want to express love I want to see God move in this place mm. amongst the community um, one, one of the fondest memories I have of churches when, when Rach and I we went, I don't think we were even dating at this point so it was a while back but there was a bit of a movement, it was only for a few months, where the young adults at Springwood Baps would just pray after service. Hmm. And it's probably some of the most encouraging times in my life. It was really quite spontaneous. We'd just be out there and someone tell us, all right, let's pray. And there'd be like 30 of us just get in, just pray for this person. And then mm-hmm. someone else would come and say, let's pray. Oh, I have this prayer point. Or sometimes it'd just be two of us just praying together. And mm-hmm. so there was this real sense of, I felt that, that we're actually spurring each other on to love and good deeds. Mm-hmm. And if we were, one of us was struggling, there was one of the guys at the time, his dad was dying of cancer. And so just being able to pray with him, that encouraged him to keep going on because he was basically running the house, helping his mum and sister through sure. that. And so I think back on those times and they were really quite special and unique. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's times... I think God does something for a season and move mm. on. And you can't replicate just because it worked well here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that would be part of it, actually seeing people. Mm. I know that we have here, that here at Dural, we have mm. the, the corner for people to pray on. Mm. Um, yeah, and there's plenty of people who, if you said, I want you to pray for me, it would happen. Mm. So, yeah, it's... I remember at college, one of the lecturers said, he goes, I find it interesting after church, most people talk about everything but the sermon or but the service. Mm. And he goes, I wonder if it's because you just sort of had it. I guess it's part of the, and you can't help it. Say we start at 10 and we finish at 11. So like, okay, now we've done it, then we move on. Mm. It's a very Western sort of thing. We sort of segment our lives. Okay, we've done that segment, now time to move on to something else. Mm. And look, I'm guilty of that too. I will see someone after this. I'm, not, okay, I'm know, always talking about jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say, oh, how was your week? You know, yeah. what's... Yeah, you know, did you see this show? The sport, mm. Mm. yeah, it's, and so this is much a challenge for me. As everyone else is like, well, how am I helping spur people on? Well, I know I get up front and talk to everyone, mm. but actually after service, like, how am I doing this? Mm. And so it's a great challenge for all of us to mm. be reflecting on why we come to church yeah. and does it reflect what the author of Hebrews mm. or even the Book of Acts? What that's all about. Mm. So, my old pastor used to talk about how um, we need to stop viewing church as a 
you know, Woolworths mm. about like going in with an empty trolley mm-hmm. and view it more as a community feast, mm. which like, you know, if you're going to a potluck dinner, you wouldn't mm. turn up empty handed. Yeah. So focusing less on what am I getting from the service and thinking about more, what am I giving mm. to the service? I mean, that's pretty unique and set apart because yes, not is. many people go to a party usually thinking oh how like how can i give to this party yes like most people are usually thinking like oh great like i'll get to blah, 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 whatever yeah, yeah. and it's typically only if we're hosting that mm. we're thinking about that but it's the idea of everyone coming together mm. and we're all like hosting each other which is mm. a pretty like i think unique set apart mm, holy mm. mentality to yeah. have so yeah. so how like okay so i'm thinking like I've had like Saturday, I've like gone to Bunnings, yeah. I've like bought like a massive bag of mulch, I've like gone home, I've like lugged it, I've like been like, oh no, gotta have dinner, I've like rushed to do that, you know, like George maybe is like been crying and like waking me up during that. Yeah. I like wake up in the morning, like Sunday, bleary eyed, I'm like, oh, I, I gotta get to church, right? How do I walk into church with a mentality of like, okay, how do I almost like pour out more oil from an yes. empty bottle, yeah. right? To... You know what? It sounds a bit cliche. I guess that's part of why you have your Barnabas. Because there's going to be some weeks where you can't give, where you are running on empty. And that's part of having the community. Sure. Is, yeah. Because there'll be others who've had a good week. And I guess if you want to use a bridge analogy, their bridge mm. is very stable. Mm. And the others, the bridge is sort of sinking a bit. Mm. There's a lot of weight on it and mm. it's about to break. Yeah. And it needs to have a person to mm. push it up. I once heard a sermon, I can't remember who it was, but it was talking about the African-Americans around the time of Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you know American history, African-Americans are treated terribly. I said, like, they would go to church, pour out their hearts to God, encourage each other, feel better, then go back to their lives and nothing had changed. Sure. But it was that coming together. That's what kept them going. It was, mm. okay, I'm here with my community. We've worshipped God. This mm. has given me the strength to keep on going mm. for another week. Mm. And, yeah, it, it, you hear it time and time again, just people... That's one of the things with COVID. People are just so lonely. Mm. People who'd never been depressed were feeling depressed sure. and isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we are wide for community. And that goes back to the garden. Mm. And so if you are feeling depleted and unenergized, if that's a word. Sure. Ironically, it's actually being part of the community. And I guess if, going back to that first question, if you're introverted, that can be a lot harder. But... Even introverts have their close friends. I want to hope that they would have like at least a few friends here. Do you think maybe that's the value of small groups? Yeah, yeah. I, like mm. as I said, like yeah. painfully extroverted. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I'm swimming yeah, in yeah, uncharted yeah, yeah. waters as like Mister like balanced, <laughs> Mister tightrope yeah. extrovert introvert. Yeah. Do you think that maybe small groups can offer something to yes. introverts that that a church service can't? Yeah. It's, and that's what I said, it's part of that holistic package yeah. for discipleship. It's you have your big gathering together. Let's mm. use it as a time to worship corporately, mm. to belt out some... Look, there's something just lovely about singing together. Mm. It, it's just something ingrained in us as humans. We love singing together. Go yeah. to a football game, people chanting songs. 
you know, there's war songs that armies use to g yeah. themselves up. Yeah. It's even just singing around a campfire. There's something really, it's just part of human culture. Mm. You just enjoy singing. Mm. You know, people that have actual singing talent will just sing to themselves mm. throughout the house. So something about that singing, I use the word anthem, like a, almost like an anthem in the sense of this is who we are. Like yeah, if we're singing yeah, yeah, a good yeah. worship song, it's like our way of expressing our adoration for God, mm. our identity. Mm. We sing that to, mm. like, you know, we have our national anthem. Yeah. The idea of that's supposed to be, it unites us as Australians mm. coming in for worship, a song that should unite us as a church. Mm. And then even prayer time, that's a way for us to be encouraged together. We're mm. praying together on behalf of God. Mm. Going straight to the throne room, which, you know, the most holy place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're doing that agreeing, yeah. When we take communion together, we're mm. doing it to symbolise the death of Jesus and to remember that day yeah. when he comes back to spur us on. We're one day going to eat a feast together. It's mm. a foretaste that. And when we sit down and hear the message, mm. we keep you know, that legacy of listening to the apostles' teachings, so to speak, mm. to be fed spiritually, to yeah. have something to, to grab onto yeah. for the week. To encourage us and then yeah. having that small group time that's where you can really if you've got problems say yeah you've had a terrible week to unload on your friends mm. just to have and there's times in your life you just need that where you just load and you're like oh yeah i just need someone to pray for me mm. it's not all the time mm. and, and that's that's where community is good because hopefully the community is at different stages yeah, yeah. and to the, those that need encouragement can get encouragement those that mm can give can give Mm. vice versa Mm. Mm. yeah i think like a last thought that i would Mm. probably say is it's it's a unique experience that we have as pastors Mm. because church on a sunday for us isn't 10 to 11 no it's like 8 30 9 a.m until maybe like sometimes 12 31 p.m yeah and seeing that that the the official service Mm. is only like one part Mm. of that i love to think like what would our church look like if we had like you know that vision of like Mm. getting there before the service praying over Mm. the service being prepared readying our own Mm. hearts for what do i have to to Mm -hmm. to give today and staying around afterwards and seeing that morning tea seeing that kind of community afterwards as not just something that we do after church but part, part of, of church. It. I guess that was part of the idea of the picnics is that it's part of the community mm. building up each other together and just yeah. getting to know people. That's yeah. mm. hearing people's stories. Mm. And yeah, and the more you hear people's stories, it gives you ammunition to pray. Mm. If you don't know someone, you don't know what to pray for them. Mm. Totally. So I took the phrase as pastors, like, oh, I was speaking to blah, blah, blah. I know I can pray for this for them. Mm. And... I know, you know, this is a, perhaps I can help him with this problem or mm-hmm. encourage him in this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really critical that I, I once knew a pastor who said he goes, "Man, morning tea is the most important part of church." He yeah, goes, that's where like the real yeah. ministry happens. For it's sure. Like, yeah, the, sure. The formal part of the service mm. is yeah. Shout out anyway. to the morning tea crew. Yes, <laughs> thank you for the tea okay. and the coffee and the cupcakes. So. We have done small groups. Where are we heading next week? Where are you taking us as we continue to prep Um, this soil? Prayer. Prayer. All right. I think it's pretty pertinent right now with some big decisions coming up. Yeah, definitely. 
That's cool. Yeah. Any any right. little like teases about it, um, or just have to wait? Yeah. And see? Uh, so focusing on prayer as a lifestyle. Hmm. Um, yeah. So we have the description of Enoch walking with the Lord in mm. Genesis, and he was no more. Hmm. Noah walking, Abraham walking. So the Old Testament doesn't really doesn't recount the type of prayers these men have but it's like this is a lifestyle mm. and paul talks about prayer without ceasing so there's this sort of some people suggest that that's what paul maybe was referring to it's not that like the monks would do is just pray non-stop for six hours a day in a room mm. it's more your whole lifestyle mm. which it's really cool that's how torah was structured and it's, i think we talked about this last week you know you got the don't wear two types of clothing yep because it reminds you, ah, oh, Yahweh's one. Ah, oh, praise God. That every you, part of you life. Set, you yeah. set up a little prayer all mm. the time. So that's more that walking. So yeah. we're looking at it from that perspective rather cool. than just, you know, you hear stories of Martin Luther mm. pray for three or four hours straight and you're like, that's cool. I have like three little kids. How am I going to do that? Mm. Oh, I have a full-time job. I haven't got... Mm. But it's reframing that going, well, why are you typing? You might have something happen pray for 30 seconds throughout the day like it's more that constant cool yeah. so that's what we'll be looking at anyway, I'm giving away too much <laughs> no 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 it's all good well look I'm going to yeah. um, you know finish with a very archaic Hellenistic view of God but I heard a thunderstorm I feel like God <laughs> is telling us from above to, to stop yeah there he goes there that was go. a confirmation yeah, yeah, yeah. so Mitch whoa that is definitely yeah. I'm taking that as confirmation yeah, 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 that we should end thunder. Mitch yeah. thank you once again oh, thank you Murray looking forward to Sunday yeah Catch you then. That's you. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.